0: text is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 through verse 44. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 through 44, and it says, But some will say, How are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars for stars differ from star for stars differ from star in glory so also is the resurrection from the dead it is sown a perishable body it is raised an imperishable body it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness and it is raised in power it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body and if there is a natural body There is also a spiritual body. Amen. You may be seated. Come one way and leave another. On this past week, um, I was in the city of San Francisco. I am a a member of the Board of Trustees for Florida Memorial University, and I attended a meeting called the Association of Governing Boards. It was a national conference, and this is a gathering of all um, trustees and college presidents and board professionals. And we are there to grow and to learn and to discuss how we can make the university setting a stronger academic setting in this kind of a challenging age where resources are drying up, but yet the need for education is still so important. But one thing is crystal clear, remains constant from university campus to university campus, is that the purpose of a college education is clear. And anyone who's ever paid one dime of tuition for any student, or if you've uh, paid it for yourself, you know that one of the purposes is to arrive on that campus one way, but to depart from that campus another. And uh, um, one of the things that I've been kind of unsuccessful in doing since I've been a pastor, and I think about this often, uh, I, I haven't, have not been successful in establishing a tradition of sending high school students on foreign mission trips. One of the things that I constantly cast as a vision, we haven't got it down yet, but we're working on it, is that we want all of our high school students to have at least one foreign mission experience before they graduate from high school. And it it is so important, it's vitally important for American students to travel abroad And to serve others. And if it is truly and authentically a missions experience, uh, they will always enter into that country one way, but they will depart another. You know, God designed life to be a series of transformations. We arrive, and anyone who's given birth or watched the child come into the world, we arrive with a focus on the physical. But through a series of transformative experiences, we are to leave here with a focus on the spiritual. Um, uh, Now, most of us are rigorously resistant to change. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, most of us abhor and detest change of any kind. And no matter how beneficial the change might be, uh, change always means the death of something. Uh, Thus, the tension with the resurrection. The resurrection means that something must die. The resurrection means the abandonment of the belief in the preeminence of the physical and embracing the preeminence of the spiritual. Resurrection means arriving here dead in our trespasses and sins and departing alive in Jesus Christ. And because Jesus defeated death, death is no longer for the Christian viewed as an impediment. Death has become an indispensable part of the process. In other words, death is a symbol of everything that validates our fears. But we don't overcome fear by denying fear. We overcome fears by facing fears, but the resurrection is also a symbol. The resurrection is symbolic of everything that validates our faith, but we don't have strong faith by simply a validation. You have strong faith by application. I wish I had somebody say amen. In other words, we have to walk by faith and live by faith in order to develop strong faith. Now, most of us in here have experienced death in some form or another. Some have watched loved ones die. Others have heard medical reports that raise serious questions about how long we have to live. Some have received messages that friends of ours have passed on. And as common as death is, it would seem that we could get more comfortable with it. It's not like death is a stranger. It's not like death is intermittent every now and then. Death is all around us, and it would seem like we could become more comfortable with it, but we cannot. When a loved one is suspended between heaven and earth by a desperate prayer, or by a pacemaker, or by a procrastinating loved one who is procrastinating and who is uh, putting off pulling the plug. It would seem that we could use these events to get ourselves ready for the inevitable, but we cannot. Even the scripture tells us, it tells us with just like the scripture tells us that God is love, just like the scripture tells us that the Lord is our shepherd. The same scriptures tell us that it is appointed unto man once to die. Therefore, it's not a surprise. It's not something that God sort of slips in on us unexpectedly at the last minute. We are fully aware that death is around us and near us. We see it, watch it, and we also know that our own lives will eventually succumb to death. Looks like we could get used to it, but we can't. So, this morning, if only for a brief moment and for your worksheets, I want you to ponder the impermanence of your physical body. Yeah, I, I want you to ponder. Uh, I, you, you look good, and you're in shape, and you eating right, and uh, all of that. But I, I still want you to think about it. I want you to ponder the impermanence of your physical body. Listen, no one is so special that he or she can avoid the inevitable collision with death. The combination of all of your wonderful attributes, your strengths, your intelligence, your gift for gab cannot talk your way out of an experience with death. Your powers of persuasion are not powerful enough. Your niche for negotiating will not allow you to broker a deal that can cause you to extricate yourself from your appointment with death. Your value to the community, uh, your value to your family, how indispensable you might think you are, still will not put you in a position where you can escape your experience with death. How old you are or how young you are does not qualify you to get an exemption card. Your dreams and your vision, your potential, and the fact that we want to see the heat win back-to-back championships will not put us in a place where we are spared from death. And as repugnant as physical death is, it is ripe with good news for the believer. I wish I had somebody say amen. The Christian faith teaches us that death is the door that leads to the resurrection. The resurrection is a promise that God has made to all who believe in Jesus Christ. For the scripture say that, uh, uh, for the scripture reason, we just read it, some did not believe in the resurrection, but God promised uh, that all who believe in Christ shall be raised. And, but 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 doubt is a dangerous thing. Now I wish I had some help. Yeah. Yeah 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 you 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 may think your faith is strong but seeds of doubt are, are capable of throwing the strongest faith into a turmoil and into a tizzy. So someone said in the Corinthian church, if there is a resurrection then how are the dead raised? You see because whenever doubt comes doubt uh, begins to Penetrate your faith by asking questions that are difficult to answer. You see, it says, well, if there is a resurrection, explain to me how the dead are raised and with what body will they come? And Paul goes through this whole discussion about uh, that, and he uses plant terminology and agrarian terminology and farming terminology to explain that if, if, if you're going to expect a harvest, that which is planted must first die. In order for a harvest to come and he goes through this whole discussion about that which is sown is not the same thing that is harvested. and there's a glory of one kind of flesh and the glory of another there's a glory of the sun and the glory of the moon and then he says and so it is with the resurrection of the dead and this is such beautiful language it says it is sown. A perishable body. In other words, it's going to decay in that casket and in that ground. Yeah, it, it, That's how it goes down. He said, but it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. In other words, when I'm in that grave, there are some things about activity that happen in that body that are not honorable. But it may be, be raised. In honor, it is sown in weakness. There are things that that body could not accomplish and could not overcome, but it is raised in power. Then it says it is sown a natural body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can understand it and you can examine it. You, 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 but you can, you can kind of cognit- cognitize your way through it. But it is raised a body that does not make sense. In other words, it is impervious to pain. Disease cannot attack it. Tear ducts don't work in the same way that they used to work. It is no longer eligible to die. It is a spiritual body and many in the Corinthian church concluded that resurrection is impossible. They thought that the resurrection was a fantasy but Paul taught that the resurrection was a fact. You see this disbelief in the resurrection is heard in the voices of the the Corinthians as they ask uh, how can this happen? And so Paul compares this physical body, to a seed. And he says that a seed, when it is planted, it must die in order to produce. And when you plant, you do not plant the thing that is going to be harvested. Let me see if I can make this, this clearer. On May 3rd, you can go to the movies. On May 3rd, in a few we- next week, you can go to the movies and you can see Iron Man 3. On May 3rd, or if you don't like Iron Man, on May 15th, you can go to the movies, and we may have some Trekkies in here. You can see Star Trek into the darkness, New Star Trek film, but you can't see it until May 15th. And on May 24th, for those of you who like The Rock and Vin Diesel, you can go see Fast and Furious Six. but you can't go to the movies now and see any of these. But what you can do, you can go to the movies or you can go on the internet or you can go on your television, and what you can see is a trailer. I wish I had somebody who understood. What I, you, you can see what we used to call back in the day, the preview. And so if you, are, uh, you, you like Star Trek or if, if you like Fast and Furious, uh, you can see the trailer. Now, the trailer is a peak. It's a glimpse. It's not the movie itself. It's not the real thing. It's not the totality. It's not what the movie producers intended for you to watch. It is a peek, a glimpse at what is to come. In other words, it's a seed to get you prepared, to get you interested in what they actually have created for you. It is a preview. And if we should die in Christ. The promise is a resurrection. Now, this life that we live is supposed to be a sneak preview. Oh, I wish I had some help. Of the life that is to come. In other words, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. But the newness that we see is a sneak preview of the life that is to come. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Christians do not deny death, nor do we fear death. We embrace death knowing that God uses death to transition us to something greater. But in the meantime, and for your worksheets, prioritize the care of the body that God has given you. And Paul goes through this discussion that says all flesh is not the same. And there is the flesh of men and the flesh of beasts and the flesh of birds and the flesh of fish. And he talks about the glory of one and the glory of the other. And so he's saying this, that though this flesh is temporary, it is not designed to be wasted. I wish I had some help in the house. The promise of the resurrection is not licensed to neglect the body. Have you ever known people who waste stuff because they know they can get another one? Y'all not with me today, are you? In In other words, God does not want us to waste this body just because there's a promise of another one to come. This body is very important because it is within this body that God dwells. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 says this that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And and, and and so the Holy Spirit, once you are a believer, dwells and takes up residence. I wish I had somebody who, who reads the Bible every now and then, and he dwells on the inside of us. And there are four reasons that I want to lift up to you why the Holy Spirit takes up resident in your life. Number one, he takes up resident in our life in order to eliminate. Number one, To eliminate, he comes to clean out the junk. The spiritual word is to sanctify, uh, uh, to to purify, to clean you up. In other words, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside. You've been trying to clean up. You did pretty good, but there's some fingerprints still there. There's some forensic evidence hanging around of what you did and how you rolled. But the Holy Spirit comes in, and he comes in to clean us up. Can I get some help? He comes in to sanctify us, to purify us from all of our sins and from all of our unrighteousness. Number two, he comes to encounter. God wants to meet us on our own turf. And he wants to meet us on our turf. That's what I like about God, that God knows that we can't get to him. Can I get some help? And so he comes to us and he gets as close as he possibly can by dwelling on the inside of us and meeting us where all of our struggles and all of our difficulties and all of our challenges and all of our temptations. He comes right into the center of the war zone and he dwells right there with us. And why does God come to encounter us? God is not trying to get to know you because God already knows you. He knows how many hair are on your head. He knows the size of your feet. He knows how many times your heart beats per minute. He knows you're going in and he knows you're coming out. My grandmother said he made us and he knows all about us and he's been with us from our early existence up until this present time. God is not trying to get to know you. God already knows you. But what God is trying to do is Is introduce himself to you. He wants you to get to know him. Yes. Yeah, God wants us to know who he is. And just like he loves us, he wants us in turn to also love him. So God dwells in us to eliminate. He dwells in us for an encounter. Then he dwells in us to energize us. He dwells in us to give us power. There's a song we used to sing, and there's a lyric in that song that says, I am weak, but thou art strong. Can anybody identify with that? I am weak, but thou art strong. Or some of you may not be able to recognize that, but Paul said it like this. When I would do good, evil is present with me. I am weak, but you are strong. Paul said the things that I want to do, that I got up in the morning and when I made my daily plan and my daily agenda, I put everything on my list that I wanted to do. But what I found myself doing was not the things that I said were my goals, not the things that I said were a priority, not the things that I told God in my prayer time and in my devotional time that I was going to do. As I went through my day, I found myself distracted by the things that I said I wanted to stay away from. I found myself thinking thoughts and Following the thoughts that I said I was not going to do. I wish I had some help. Yes. Yeah. I used to hear my grandmothers and my aunts and them singing, Thou art weak, but I I am weak, but thou art strong. And then they would say this, Jesus, keep me from all wrong. And the way he does that it's not by treating you like a nursery rhyme character. Peter Peter pumpkin eater had a wife and could not keep her and so he locked her down in a pumpkin shell and there he kept us very well. No, when Jesus keeps you, he sets you free. The Bible says that who the son has set free, he is free indeed. He doesn't lock you up or lock you down or put you in a prison. The way Jesus uh, uh, works with you, he sets you free but he puts his power. I wish I had some help. He puts his power on the inside of you and what power will do it will help you resist and when it does not help you resist it'll help you recover. Power is for two purposes. Power is for resistance and power is for recovery. Sometimes I resist but then other times I fail but I have power to recover. Got recovery power and the Bible says and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he dwells in you to give you power. And so He he dwells in us to eliminate, to encounter, to energize. But then there's another reason. Because what good is it to get rid of all your sinfulness? Get all cleaned up and have the God dwelling in you and then have power to and then you don't do anything there are so many people here I wish I had some help in the church they've been cleaned up they don't do what they used to do brother Ray they've been cleaned up they have an encounter with God they have power to resist and power to recover but there are too many people who are cleaned up and who have been in the presence of God and who have the power of God that are sitting down on God and God comes to engage us In other words, God does not want this body to be useless. He wants this body to be fully engaged in what he calls the kingdom of God. God wants us, somebody say us, he wants us to make disciples. As a matter of fact, we need to stop praying these prayers. God going to the hospital. God ain't going to no hospital unless you go to the hospital. God going to the prison. God ain't going to the prison unless his people go into the prison. God feed the hungry. God, cl- that's our assignment. He has cleansed us and he has filled us and, and he lives with us in order that we might be engaged. In his work, God did not save you and sanctify you so that you can find a seat in a sanctuary. I wish I had some help. God saved you and sanctified you so that he could use the sum total of all your skills and gifts and time and talent and abilities to do something in the kingdom of God. God wants us to make prayer warriors. God wants us to make serious servants. God wants us to provide a home for the homeless and food for the foodless. God wants to use us. We are not filled with the spirit to sit down, but we are filled to serve up. make a difference. Don't waste this flesh, this perishing, this dying flesh on the flesh. Don't waste it on the flesh. He that sows to the flesh shall die, but he that sows to the spirit shall live. Be filled, the Bible says, with the spirit. Bear in your life the fruit of the spirit. If you are filled with God, somebody ought to be consistently encountering in you love and joy. Wipe that frown off your face and that bitterness off your lips and them frowns off your brow you ought to have some joy ought to be some peace in your life I mean not no regular peace I'm talking about a peace that passes all understanding a kind of peace that make people wonder how in the world can you go through what you're going through without slapping somebody upside the head about catching a case uh, about without cussing somebody out how do you do it because God's spirit dwells in me and I am bearing his fruit I'm bearing his fruit be filled with his spirit in other words The believer is supposed to be different. The believer is not supposed to be the same. There's supposed to be something tangible and measurable and visible and consistently different about the person who has been made alive in Jesus Christ. Finally, for your worksheets, prepare for the body that God has prepared for you. You want to prepare for the body that God has prepared for you. Paul says there is a natural body. He said, but there is also a spiritual body. I have something somewhat embarrassing that I want to share this morning. It's, it's, kinda, it's embarrassing to me, but I'm going to share it anyway. A few weeks ago, I was scheduled to attend a meeting in Orlando. And I purchased a ticket, Spirit Airline, to catch the seven o'clock flight, Fort Lauderdale to Orlando. My armor bearer, George Denbo, dropped me off at the airport at 5 45 AM. I was through security by 6:15. If This is the door that leads you to the plane. This section where people were waiting in order to board was filled with people. So what I did, I crossed over the aisle and I sat over on the other side of the aisle and I'm waiting for time to board. While I'm waiting, I pull out my laptop. I connect to the Internet and I begin to read some reports. And I got so caught up in the reports that I failed to hear the agents in the terminal call for the boarding of the plane. And when I looked up, the clock said 7.58. I throw my laptop in the bag, pull my cords out the wall, run over to the door to board the plane. But the door was closed. Knowing, listen, knowing that the time was short, I failed to prepare to depart. As I stood there, some other passengers came running, people came running, and they ran, and they saw that the door was shut. Some started cussing. They were cussing out the employees There at the airport, some furiously demanded to see somebody in authority, somebody with power, because they said, there is the plane right there. It has not left yet. Somebody can open the door and let us on. But the attendant indicated that they could not and that it was too late. Once the door was closed, it could not be opened again. Some yelling, some cursing, some appealing to see somebody in a higher authority. But I simply walked out of the airport, caught me a cab, and came home. And the reason I walked out because I had read the airline policy that said that you are to arrive at least two hours before the plane departs. The reason I just walked out and called me a cab and came home is because I had read the airline policy and that, that boarding takes place about 30 minutes before the plane takes off. The reason I just grabbed my stuff and walked out and got in a cab and went home was because I have seen this over and over and over again. And before you ever get on the plane, somebody announces, not one time, not two times, but three times that it's time to get on the board. Uh, Section one come, section two come. I know that this is what, as a matter of fact, they even go another level and they look at the passenger list and they call your name and they say Mr. Lomax if you're anywhere it's time to get but I was so caught up in what was going on right now that I didn't prepare myself for what was prepared for me listen I knew the airline policy. I knew that once that door was shut they weren't going to open that door. See, death is a closed door. It cannot be reopened. And we must prepare ourselves for what is going to happen after death. Now, how do we prepare ourselves? Let me see if I can walk us through this. Come on, everybody stand on your feet, if you will. How do we prepare ourselves? If You play softly. How do you prepare? Listen, you prepare for a flight by being in destination mode. Where you prepare for flight, be focused not on where you are, but to focus on where you're going. We prepare for death by being in resurrection mode. Let me read this scripture to you that tells you what resurrection mode is. Listen, it says the body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. That's resurrection mode sown in dishonor it is raised in honor it is sown in weakness but it is raised in power resurrection mode he does a comparison where you are where you're going Whenever, and I want to see if I can illustrate how you prepare. Whenever you get a driver's license, first time, you go to the Department of Motor Vehicle with the hope that you're going to go in here one way, right? But you're going to leave out of here another way. Am I right about that? And the system that has been designed is a system that prior to being issued a license, they issue you a permit. And what this driving permit does, it allows you or let me see, it authorizes you to do the same thing that a licensed driver can do. In other words, you are authorized with your driving permit to operate a motor vehicle. And the, and the purpose of the authorization is so that you might practice everything that you are going to do once you get your license. In other words, you prepare for the license by practicing and improving your driving skills and you are authorized to operate the motor vehicle and practice and look like a driver until you get your license. Now once you receive salvation you are authorized to practice everything that leads to life and Godliness. Now I'm going to tell you something you're not going to have it all down pat. Somebody say amen. Just like when you have your driving permit, you're not going to be an expert driver yet. Am I right about that? But, but you're going to get better and you're going to improve. And even when you get your license, you're going to make some wrong turns and you're going to make some, uh, uh, some hasty errors. But, 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 but what you have done you have already begun before you got your license to prepare for it. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. Perishable. So right now, you want to start living like you're going to be around a long time. Right now, the way you live your life right now, you want to live it. In such a way that I'm going to be here. It says also, it is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. In other words, you want to live your life to the glory of God. Start practicing what that is and how to live my life to the glory of God right now. How to give God honor In everything that I do. To to do nothing that would bring shame and dishonor to God. I want to be in practice mode right now. Are you feeling me? And then it says it's sown in weakness but it is raised in power. So right now you practice power you live powerfully you walk powerfully you speak powerfully as a matter of fact the Bible says this be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might several times uh, God says to Joshua these words be strong and of a good courage Paul says this that God has not given you a spirit of fear look but a power and of love and of sound mind it means that you got good sense you, you begin to practice listen everybody's not gonna like that about you people like you're weak they, they like you unstable they like you're double-minded but begin to walk as a powerful person I am the head and I'm not the tail and I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field and God is with me wherever I go. You begin to practice it. Practice it right now. Then every time you mess up, pull out one of those passages of Scripture. Behold, now we are the sons of God. I'm practicing and acting like a son of God but sometimes I don't look so much like one why? because it does not yet appear what I shall be I'm not totally fixed up yet but I'm on my way don't let anybody crush your spirit rob you of your authorization because you fail and because you stumble and because you mess up. But you know that when you see everything you've been practicing you're going to get your permit taken away from you and you're going to get your license. You're going to get your spiritual body and everything you've been practicing is going to come together perfectly when you see him face to face. You see if you practice telling the truth it's going to be so comfortable when you get your spiritual body if you practice forgiveness now when you get to heaven you won't want to bring up no old stuff are y'all with me? that's why the former things have been passed away because we've been working on by the power of God walking in our newness yeah resurrection we come into this experience one way but by the power of God we're going to leave out Another way. Clap your hands if you will. (laughs) The born again experience. Bible says.